Welcome, everybody, to our second week of our sermon series, Let's Make a Deal. Everybody wants to get a good deal in life. And we make things, we make decisions based on what deal we think is the best. I think that's true somewhat of our spiritual life as well. Last week we talked about how the Christian life and becoming more like Jesus pays off. But it requires more than just receiving and trying. Most people want to stop there. I just want to receive from God, and I want to try when I can. But most people understand that training is vital to the Christian life. Which is hard for us, because like much of society, we want it all, and we want it all now. The problem with wanting it all now is, when you get too much pleasure... You become immune to the joy it offers after a while. Right? You either need a bigger fix or you just become immune to it. So the idea of fasting we're talking about in this series, and fasting in this series doesn't have to be about food, but it could be. It's basically going without something for a period of time. It's not meant to make our life miserable. It really isn't. It's to make our life better. But that only happens if you can live beyond the moment of just desiring it at that moment. You have to see the big picture in life. So I'm flashing some of the terms that we we learned on the screen last week, just if you can kind of catch up a little bit. I understand that everybody is able to come every week. But if we can better balance the times that we feast, with the times where we do just enjoy all life's pleasures, and the times that we fast our life starts to get better, plain and simple. It it takes that rhythm. We have to have a rhythm in life. But most of us are not trained for rhythms. Most of us are trained to just consume. Last week, the discipline that I gave you for the week was to to fast for body discipline. Just the plain and simple fact that our animal nature in us wants control. It wants to feed every urge we want. But the problem is, our animal nature starts to be more powerful than feeding our spiritual soul. And this thing grows, and this thing diminishes. And all of a sudden, my soul gets withered because I'm feeding all my animal nature. And that soul is vital to us. You know, we talk about the worship this morning. There's something about music in particular that touches the soul. It's it's deeper than pleasure. See, the enemy is often within ourselves as we elevate things that are meant to be enjoyed. Uh, Certainly there are things that are just bad. But there are a lot of things in life that are meant to be enjoyed. We just end up prioritizing them too highly. And we get all out of whack. And it happens to all of us, you know? We all think, wow, this is good. I enjoyed that. And then pretty soon it's just like, got to have it. Got to go get it. Got to have it all the time, you know? I don't know how many times my family has heard me say, I'm just going to run out for Dr. Pepper. I'll be right back. Not that that's the worst thing in the world, but, you know, come on, Dad. You can live without your Dr. Pepper. So I want to share a little bit about my journey with food and fasting and how I've kind of gone through the ups and downs of life. I grew up as the youngest of four boys, and we grew up on a farm. 
And we had homegrown garden, you know, stuff, and we ate some of our own beef from our own cattle that we raised. We didn't eat out that much. It wasn't quite as accessible accessible back then. But when it was accessible, it was still, you know, at least four or five miles away. So we didn't run to McDonald's every day. We didn't drive past it. You know, we didn't see it. Yet with all these advantages in my life, I was still not the best eater. Uh, maybe, say, the four, youngest of four boys, maybe I was spoiled a little bit. I don't know, but I did not like vegetables. In fact, there were only four vegetables that I could stand. Cooked carrots, not raw. Cooked. Corn, which is not really as healthy. Green beans, and maybe a little bit of iceberg lettuce, which probably has no nutritional value. I would not even go near a beet, a piece of asparagus, or a lima bean. They don't like tomatoes. I don't care what anybody they're just When I got to college, I was now in a city with hamburgers and pizza nearby. Just blocks away. I could hardly resist the chance in the late night, you know, you're studying or you're not studying, but it's ten o'clock and you're not going to bed. And you think, oh, pizza. Oh, sub sandwich just down the street two blocks away. I think my parents had a for a while. Like, Where are you spending all your money? It's going in my stomach. Now, the negative part about that point in life, I did start to develop some type of lactose problem, and so I had to cut out ice cream and milk. I still was allowed to have cheese. It still did okay with that. So I just loved that food. And after college, I became a full-time youth pastor. That's a dream come true. If you like tacos and pizza and cheeseburgers, man, that's the job to have right there. Now, I played a lot of basketball during that time, so I really didn't gain much weight. So I figured, no worries, right? I'm good. I was single. I, I did little to no cooking. Really never learned how to cook. Didn't eat much vegetables. My first experience with fasting was when I led our youth group in what they call the 30-hour famine. Some of you have heard of that. Where you, the kids get pledges. It was actually middle school kids, too, which is some of those kids, you know, have to be careful with your fasting, but um, especially when you're young. Um, but they had to get pledges from people to fat. And, and if they uh, would go without food for 30 hours, then they would get pledges and we would send that to people who were hungry in the world. So by giving up temporarily your food, we helped people who really were starving. And so we would do that for 30 hours, and it wasn't easy. Your stomach would growl, and we would meet during part of it. At the end, we'd have this gorge-out pizza party, right? Um, which is probably not the best way to end a fast, but, you know, hey, Oh, when you're a youth pastor, that's what you do. Um, and I even did this a little bit uh, for a period of time on my own. I would experiment for a few, once a week, for a few weeks. I remember doing it um, where I would just fast on my own. Just I was like, okay, what is this fasting all about, you know? And is it, is it really going to bring me closer to God? And, you know, so I'd experiment with it a little bit. I'm not saying any lights went on or anything fantastic happened, but I want to at least try it out. You know, I end up at Burger King the next morning for breakfast. It's like, ah, yeah, this food. Um now, when Becky and I got married, I began to eat a little healthier. She's cooked, and we ate, you know, at home more often, and I began to like more vegetables. In fact, you know, beets, they're okay. Asparagus is pretty good. Lima beans, well, I can eat them, but I don't love them. Just not raw tomatoes. Um, but I still love my junk food. Oh, still. And pizza, Dr. Pepper. Oh. McDonald's French fries and Dr. Pepper. 
even a chocolate bar and Dr. Pepper. Mm. Over the years, I've had a few successful periods of not drinking soda. I've given up it a couple times and got slowly got back on the sugar wagon. You know, but there was a time where I had to kind of had to go to a candida diet, if you know what that is. That's a pretty strict diet because I had some health issues I was trying to wade through. And it was at that time, during that process, I discovered that I needed to go gluten-free as well. So I kind of felt like, okay, at this point in my life now, in my 50s, I've been fasting from most of dairy for about 30 years and now gluten-free for about 10 years. I kind of felt I'd already done kind of the fasting because I kind of already did some of that, at least for certain things. Now... I know I'm not on normal ground here as a pastor, but I need to preach a little bit today on this series. And we're not going to touch it in the future, I don't think. But I need to preach a little bit about food. Because we have a weird relationship with food. We're all so sensitive about food. Because the food affects our bodies. And our bodies are a touchy subject, right? Scott McKnight says that there are basically four views one can have about their own body. So I'm going to ask you, rhetorically here, which of these you most resonate with? Which view do your, of your body do you most have? Number one, it's a monster that has to be conquered. You know, we have all these deep desires, and we have to push those deep desires away from our, oh, you can't enjoy in life. You've got to push all those things away, because otherwise the monster will come out. And the monster wants cookies, you know. That how you live? Oh, it's just, I can't indulge at all. That's all bad. Or that's a celebrity that's wanting to be glorified. We live in the age of models and beautiful uh, people on magazine covers and all the different things on the phone. And this is this narcissistic approach to dieting and looking beautiful. And we get consumed by it. Oh, no, I can't. Uh, I have to, have to make sure I'm beautiful at all times. Number three. The cornucopia mindset. To be filled whenever possible. Oh, hedonist approach to food. Just give me, just give me, yes, chocolate. Give it, oh, I'll take chocolate. Yes, pizza here, please, please. I'll take all you can give me because it is so good. Finally, there's the wallflower approach. An inward approach where the, the outward doesn't matter. It's just a shell. Your body's just a shell. So therefore, it doesn't matter. The inward oh, is the only thing that matters. Now, all these approaches have a glimmer of truth, a glimmer of something, but most of it's lies. Most of it's just flawed. And they easily trick us into miss, missing out on the sacred things of fasting and feasting. And I really guess I realize not everybody is fasting over food. But that's the reason why, because we are so messed up when it comes to food, a lot of us can't fast because it just does all these things with our minds, and we start thinking about dieting instead of fasting, and they're not the same thing. So we have a lot to learn as a culture, as a church, if we ever wanted to embrace fasting at a deeper level, because food has just totally messed up our mindset. You know, I. Since I've been somewhat thin, and even though I have a little blood pressure and I have a little bit of cholesterol, I'm just like, okay, I want the, I'm the cornucopia most of the time, you know? Give it to me. If I, if I can eat it, if it's not gluten-free and it's dairy-free, I'm going to. But this is not good. But for some of you, if you 
you have so much hang-ups around food and some of these body types, for you to fast would actually do more harm than good because you're going to get easily too messed up in those associations. Now, we live in a nation that is both delicious and dangerous. Our local landscape is, you can't hardly drive down the road, right? Let's see, there's the girl in the pigtails. And across the street, there is the uh, hamburger royalty. Just down the street, there's the red roof with the pizza. You know what I mentioned, all three of those, right? You win the quiz if you said Wendy's, Burger King, and Pizza Hut, right? Why are we so cons- why are, why are these places surviving? I mean, you can't go a block in this city without finding one. Well, we live busy lives, don't we? And most of us are living off somewhat tight budgets. We are told we need three meals a day. Our body tells us to eat when we're not hungry, just because it's used to eating, let alone snacks. All this adds up to eating cheap, tasty food as quickly as possible. Now, I know some of you are going to argue that it really isn't cheap. If you've been to McDonald's lately, it's not cheap. Some of you would argue, it's really not that tasty either. But for some of us, that's what we're used to. And I still crave those foods. And so that's why most of us give in to the indulgence rather than honor the discipline. And that's what makes the standard American diet very sad. We are... Addicted to sugar, and I am one of those. Trying to kick it, and this week has not been easy. It's, you know, withdrawal things all over the all week. Experts estimate that in 1700, the average person consumed four pounds of sugar annually. Today, they say we consume 100 pounds of sugar annually. Our bloodstream can handle about one teaspoon of sugar before it starts storing it elsewhere. A can of Pepsi, not a bottle, a can of Pepsi has eight teaspoons of sugar. I know it's difficult to know what to believe about food. I know they keep changing it, right? We were told at one time, eggs, eggs are bad. Now, that was when we thought cholesterol was bad. Now we know there's good cholesterol. Now we're eating eggs again. We were told one time to give up butter, so they everybody was buying margarine, right? And then, no, no, it's worse than butter. Go back to butter. And now, and now saturated fat is a good thing. Who would have thought fat is a good thing? It's hard to keep up. And the reality, though, is we're getting heavier while the idea, ideal body type is getting. So it carries a lot of baggage. And that's why I'm preaching on a, a subject that's not on the, you wouldn't think is on the spiritual side, but I'm going to kind of explain why it is. But I just, I have to touch on this before we can move on. Here's the basics of how our body works as I understand them. And those of you who are health experts and medical people can correct me and I'll do an addendum next week in the sermon saying I was all wrong. But we're built like a hybrid car. And our bodies should be able at least to run for a while on two types of fuel. Sugar and fat. See, our lives are different back in the olden days. In the olden days, you raised all your own food or whatever, or you traded with your neighbors and whatever, but on harvest time, you consumed all the sugar. I mean, all the things that they give you to glucose and all that things to feed your body, right? But as as you stored things maybe in your attic or over the winter, you started running out of food. You started to ration. 
And before long, you had to live off some of the fat that you stored in your body. We're not used to doing that anymore. We can get food anytime we want to. Now, there is a lot of debate. This is where I want to be careful. Or how long our bodies should run alone, should run on the fat part of it, of our body. There's a lot of debate, a lot of health issues. And so you only want to be careful. If you have any questions at all, you should talk to your doctor. But I think it's clear that we both can run on both, at least for a period of time. And our, our bodies aren't used to running on both anymore. They're just used to running on sugar. So converting it back to be able to run on fat is hard for our bodies to get used to. That's why I'm having all these withdrawal symptoms, I think. So I want to make a few points clear when, before we move on to this whole subject of fasting. Fasting and feasting are both important in our lives, but fasting is not primarily about losing weight or better health. But we kind of had to cover that ground today because experiencing both fasting and feasting may be designed Maybe how we were designed to eat better. Maybe we, how we were designed to consume food with both a period of fasting and feasting. I think maybe that's the way God made us. And finally, number four, our bodies and our souls are connected. Now, I realize that goes contrary to some of the teaching you may have had in your life. But you can't really affect our body without affecting our soul. You know, you, you can't really affect your soul without affecting your body. They're, they're linked. Now, we can talk about in the future how much they're linked and how much they're separate. But if you're struggling physically, you're probably going to struggle spiritually and vice versa. Which brings us to our fast challenge for week number two. Now, I realize for some of you, you started last week, you gave up your thing, you're probably giving it up through Lent. Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're allowing yourself to feast on Sundays, which we talked about, and that's fine. You're all set to go. But for some of us, we're using the fasting window, which means each week we change a little bit the window in which we can consume. So last week, for some of us, we had the 12-hour time of fasting and the 12-hour time of, of, of uh, non-fasting. Um, and during the time of fasting, we were allowed to sleep. So it helped at least that part of that time we were sleeping it away. For this week's challenge, and I might have labeled it wrong, um, you're supposed to give it your pleasure. Actually, it should say, 16 hours in a row. So if you're doing this closing window time, now all of a sudden you can't really have breakfast. Now, depending on what, you can pick whatever hours in a row you want to pick. But for me, it's going to be 7 p.m. to 11 a.m. And that's the only time I'm allowed to eat. And then for me, I can't have really sugar, much much sugar or much carbs anytime. Of course, you cheat a little bit, but I'm trying not to very much. Um Otherwise, it's going to make my body even harder to kick this. Um, but that's really up to you, how you fast and how you discover that, wait, this is actually makes my life better because most of us don't associate fasting with life being better. Of course, on feasting days, on Sundays, enjoy your pleasure. During your 12-hour window, don't you get a 12-hour window. Don't overindulge, but enjoy the gift God gives you. So each week I'm giving you something to fast about. And, even, and those of you who aren't fasting, don't worry. This is something you can pray about. Because most of the time in the Bible, um, you, sometimes it's just praying. It just says pray about. Sometimes it says fasting and praying. They go together. So even if you're not fasting, this is a focus of prayer for the week. 
Now, next week, we're going to delve more into the Bible and the history of fasting and get more into the scriptures. But I had to talk about this body image and our relationship with food first, because otherwise it's going to mess us all up as we try to move forward. So last week was body discipline. This week, the phrase is body turning. In other words, turning back to God. Throughout our history, God's people have repented, you know, asking for forgiveness, repenting of your sins, telling God you're sorry for your sins. Fasting often accompanies accompanies that repentance. God's people, the nation of Israel, treated repentance as serious business. And it was a sacred moment to them. They even had a special day of the year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Anyone who didn't fast and confessed was cut off from the rest. It was serious stuff. You weren't allowed to work. They would even possibly made their life hard on their body so they could get the full experience of sin and the gravity of it. Boy, that is just so foreign to what we live in our day and age. Make it harder for our body? The season of Lynch is kind of the way we still carry on some of that tradition. It's held up in some of these practices, not so much in the Protestant church as the Catholic church. But you know, any sense of repentance, we need to go through series of repentance and asking God for forgiveness and acknowledging our sin before God. Because sometimes if we don't, then our hearts start to get cold. Our, our prayers start to just feel like they're not going anywhere. And, and then you just start to drift away even farther. But when we own our sin, when we own our shortcomings, when we get real about ourselves before God, that's the start of where we need to be. Now, I realize some things change after Jesus came, but the disciples still chose at times to fast and pray. So certainly you have to understand fasting, of course, is not required. That's the reason why most of us don't do it. You know, it's not on the Ten Commandments or anything. But it may be helpful. And that's why we have to decide, is that a deal that I'm willing to make in my spiritual life? Am I willing to train in that way? Sacrifice from my body? Because our bodies and our souls are connected. And fasting brings our body and our soul together to experience it fully. I, I don't think in, the, in most modern churches today, we really know what it's like to express our faith physically. And so we are torn trying to separate our soul from our body but we can't. And we have to go through this process of learning how sinful we are and how weak we are are when we are left to our own power. And I would contest that in this day and age, and I'm confessing for myself as well as maybe you can confess for yourself, that most of us don't spend that much time on confession anymore. We pray a lot about, you know, things and wants and you know, and maybe we even praise, and maybe we even thank God a lot. It's not just maybe always about what we want, but I don't know that many people who spend much time on confession. But here's the truth. 
just like everything else. If you won't experience confession, you won't experience forgiveness. Have we lost the joy of forgiveness? Sometimes I think we do. You know? We make the deal. Oh, it's not important to confess. Make a bad deal. You lose the joy of forgiveness. And we need forgiveness. Our, our soul yearns for forgiveness more than you can imagine. The more I've learned in this last year or two, I never dreamed how important that is to us. Forgiving others, forgiving ourselves, forgiving God. And the more I discover it is just critical to our souls and our bodies to forgive and be forgiven. You might think, oh, that's, I don't know. So when you confess and you repent, spend some time at the end of that being forgiven. Allow yourself to receive forgiveness. And oh, the joy of forgiveness. We were talking about today earlier, to to, to actually live each day like it's a new day, like the past doesn't matter anymore. We've been forgiven, we've redeemed. It doesn't matter what yesterday was. Wow, that is an amazing way to live. And I need to remind myself that that is gone. And Christ has forgiven me. And Christ calls me to move forward and live in today. So this week, body turning, turning back to God in your prayer, confessing your sin, receiving forgiveness for your sin. It's more powerful than a lot of us realize. I leave you three scriptures. I'm going to think that's going to be my plan each week is to leave you three scriptures that are going to be listed in the bulletin each week. You can take the bulletin home if you just want. Otherwise, you can just make note of them, look them up later. Three scriptures that relate to the, the topic of, at hand. Isaiah 58, 6 says, Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice? Untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Romans 6, 13 and 14. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. And finally, 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is good. So join me this week. As I call the worship team back up, which I should have probably did a couple minutes ago. Um, join me this week. You might want to join me and continue your fasting plan or do your own fasting and start this week of something or another. It can be something, just one food. It can be... Um, uh, all food, but within a certain window that you're going to eat. Um, there are a number of, you can give up technology, you can give up uh, sports, you can give up a zillion different things that you feel is pulling you away, is, is dragging too much of your time, it's too, becoming too important to you. And then on Sunday, enjoy it. 
as a good thing from God or or the other hours of your day where you're not, I mean, enjoy it when you can, but don't let it control you. And even if you're not fasting, come to God this week in your prayer time of confession. And, and if you're ready, combine the both. The body and the soul. Together, all experiencing the same thing. Oh, as I yearn for that Dr. Pepper this week, I am reminded of my sin. And so I pray to God, Lord, as my body craves what it doesn't really need and in some ways is bad for me. I'm reminded how I crave to sin and have my own selfish ways. And it always is bad for me. Let's uh, stand and let's worship. We'll close the service. I hope you have a good week. But I hope you start to change your mind of what makes a good deal in life and what doesn't. Have a good one.